Today's scripture reading comes to us from the book of Amos, found on page 807 uh, of the Old Testament in your pew Bible. And it's going to be Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, says the Lord God. The dead bodies shall be many, cast out in every place. Be silent. Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the epheth small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account, and every one mourn who lives in it, and all of it rise like the Nile, and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon, and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentations. I will bring sackcloth on all loins and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. The time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of our Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. From the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 38 and going through 42. Now as they went on their way, that being Jesus and the disciples, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted by many things. But few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Help us through all of the din and noise of the world to hear your word. And in hearing, may our hearts be filled with joy and rest to the glory of Christ our Lord. Amen. I don't know if it comes as news to you, but you, in the state of Illinois, cannot buy a car at a car dealership today. 
I didn't know that. Won't do you any good to go to Indiana. It's true. We are one of 18 states where the sale of a car at an automobile dealership is a crime. Did you know that? Yeah, you can't do it. Now, it's not because car dealers are really good Christians. It's not that pews all over the state of Illinois are filled with both Solozis and Edelsons, even though they always give more money. That's an advertising reference you need to have been around for a while to get. No, it comes from in the early 1980s, car dealers all wanted to just work six-day weeks. And so the car dealer associations in various states said, we only want to be open six days a week. It's a pain to staff for seven days a week and to keep our shops open. But we don't want to be closed when another dealership is open. So if we can all agree on one day to close car dealerships, and why not Sunday? Because there was, in the memory of some folks, the old blue laws. Blue laws in which business was not to be transacted on Sundays. It had nothing to do with a statement of faith on the part of car dealers and everything to do with the fact that they wanted to synchronize the competition. Uh, there was also, back in that time, 1982, when the law most recently passed, uh, that newspapers were hoping that the Sunday paper classifieds would sell well so that people could look at cars from private ownership on a Sunday. You could open up the classifieds and look for cars. But that day is so long gone since we had print classifieds that it no longer applies. However, every year, somebody in the Illinois State Legislature proposes changing that law, and every year it dies in committee. The Commerce Committee ends up squashing the law because the car dealers are united in this one front. They don't want their competition open while they're closed. Today's reading from the prophet Amos sets up a really great sermon. It's one of those texts where for the preacher it's been pitched low and outside and I'm tempted to hit it out of the park. It's the value of not transacting business on holy days. That's what uh, the prophet Amos talked about in that passage. Uh, it's the value of the old blue laws. Now the term blue law was derived from the 18th century when somebody who was a strict moral Puritan was known as a blue Puritan. As in the fact that blue dye in the Middle Ages and going forward was a fabric fast color that would not fade. And so if you were following blue laws, it's because your commitment to the Sabbath would not fade. Now Amos, who had spent most of his life as a shepherd, he had on the side a small grove of fig trees, finally decided to take some time off. He got a couple of hired hands to watch the sheep, he got a gardener neighbor to keep track of his fig trees, and he was going to go on his first vacation. And he wanted to go north, up into the cities of Samaria and to Bethel. Now Samaria was the capital of the nation of Israel. This was after the time that Judah and Israel had split but before the time that Israel had been conquered by the Assyrians. And so he wanted to see the capital city and the religious uh, shrines there in Samaria, and he wanted to go to Bethel 
Bethel was a really holy place in Hebrew scriptures. It's where, where Abraham had pitched his tent when God gave him the covenant. And it was the same place where Abraham's grandson, Jacob, had seen the dream with the ladder extending to heaven and the angels ascending and descending. And Amos was a good, faithful person, so he wanted to go see the sights in the northern kingdom. Except when he got there, he found out that the historic places were completely neglected, that what he wanted to see wasn't even in the travel guide. Instead, he was going into Sin City. It was full of scandal, outrageous exploitation, corruption in every market, deep divisions between those who were impoverished and the working class and the opulent landowners and the traders and shopkeepers. There was nothing inspiring about the holy places when Amos got there. It was as if no one even knew the historic encounters between Yahweh and the patriarchs had happened on that very soil. And Amos was furious. Now we read here in the 8th chapter that folks did close their shops for the Sabbath. Like car dealerships. It's Sunday, in this case Saturday, Shabbat. And when the New Moon Festival came, they would also not transact any business. It was the first day of the month, the day of the New Moon, so there would be religious services and people didn't open up their shops. But Amos found that that was nothing more than an intrusion into what they really wanted to be doing. Verses 5 and 6. When will the New Moon be over so that we can sell grain? And the Sabbath end so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of wheat. It's tempting. It's tempting to preach that sermon. The one about exploitation of the poor, about workers' rights, about dishonest business practices. Yeah, that sermon almost writes itself. You could probably... Dream it up on your own. We have to seek just and fair wages and reasonably priced housing and dignity for the commons and care for the poor and punishment for the oligarchs. Power of the people. But curiously, that's not what this chapter is about. The start of the chapter is this. This is what the Lord God showed me. This is what the Lord God showed me. A basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit? And God said, that's one right. There's something amazing. This eighth chapter of the book of Amos is about fruit salad. It's about fruit salad. You know, even with international shipping and produce traveling all around the world so that you could have a kiwi fruit in your grocery store in the middle of February, there's something about this time of year when the produce in the stores is fresh. Peaches, plums, nectarines, grapes, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, apples, oranges, and don't forget the gooseberry. I am forever grateful to the Dawkins family for introducing me to the gooseberry. 
Um, if you have not had a gooseberry, I, I, I commend it to you. Uh, did you know that the cultivation of gooseberries is actually illegal in 15 states? Um, yeah, isn't that weird? You can't go to gooseberries in 15 different states. Um, almost as many states as you cannot buy a car on Sunday. That's 18 states. Um, I thought there was going to be some hidden meaning in that, but the states don't overlap at all. But the gooseberry is a carrier for the white pine blister rust, uh, which is a fungus that can completely decimate wine grapes. So in the states where they're trying to grow wine, you can't grow gooseberries. No charge for that little piece of information or particular any spiritual application, but there you go. Get back to Amos's fruit basket. The prophet's concern was, yes, the exploitation of the people. But more importantly was the system's failure to pause, to enjoy a basket of summer fruit. Sabbath observant was many things. I grew up in a home that took Sunday, the Christian Sabbath, very seriously. No playing outside, don't turn on the TV, no working, no lawn care. If your job required you to work on Sundays, my parents would talk to your boss, and if it was non-negotiable, then you had to find another job. It was, we were told, the Lord's Day. And there was a time that I resented it, especially the no-play clothes thing. You had to sit around in your Sunday clothes all day long. And yet, there was this other thing that was going on in our house that was called rest. A day of rest. That's what the word Sabbath means in Hebrew. It's also the number seven. Shabbat is the number seven, seventh day of the week. Seven is also the number of completion, of perfection, of fulfillment. Why? Because God created the heaven and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. God rested. And as it says in the Ten Commandments, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. One day a week, give it a rest. One day a week, think about something other than yourself. On the Sabbath, the rabbis tell us, you should read, not write. Eat, don't cook. Converse with your family and your neighbors. Don't negotiate and debate. Enjoy the park and your yard. Don't mow. Just one day make it all stop. One day in seven. Pause and savor the wonder that is God's provision. Now, you and I know blue laws don't work. When I was a kid, we had to observe the Sabbath. We had friends that worked in health care. They go to work on Sundays. Nurses, doctors, anesthesiologists. And what about preachers? <laughs> it's the only day we work. And guess what? Even though there were blue laws in Samaria and Bethel, they didn't work. 
because no one actually internally decided to adopt the notion of what Sabbath was about. To take that rest. Amos points out it's almost over. The new moon festival day is almost gone. The Sabbath is almost gone. And what are they doing? They're going, five, four, three, two, one. The ram's horn would blow. Ding, 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 ding. The market bell would ring and they would be off again cheating each other. Making the shekel big and the ephah small. That's the very definition of inflation, by the way, folks. The violence, the exploitation, the destruction of social fabric, the ruin of lives and families and dignity, and purpose just evaporating because the people refused to pause because they didn't take time to rest. They refused to think about God's provision and take a moment to be filled with gratitude for what God had given them. Amos saw the writing of the wall, <coughs> the people's incapacity for a sense of proportion, the balance of their very lives was out of whack. They were found lacking in the basics of human value and virtue. Amos wrote in the passage that Chris read, the time is surely coming, says the Lord, when I will send famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Because they would not consider their dependence upon God for the very breath and very being that was theirs. This would be the last harvest. They could not enjoy the fruit. And so because they could not enjoy it, that fruit would rot. Jump forward a few centuries, we're now sitting in the living room of a home in Bethany, a suburb of Jerusalem. Jesus came there to visit. He was invited by Martha and her sister Mary. It was a chance for Sabbath. It was an opportunity to rest. Jesus finally has a chance to sit down with some friends and chat with the two of them to enjoy their company and to catch up on the news. Except Martha is all about the catering, the kitchen work, pressing the napkins and checking the bread. And in the meantime, Mary isn't helping and Martha is resentful because Mary is enjoying Jesus' company and not being useful in the kitchen. And then we have one of the most passive-aggressive, snarkiest sentences in the entire Bible. Martha tells Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Come. Sit. Rest. Have some fruit salad. Amen. Amen. Let us join in affirming our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son.
born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third.